Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Yo, what's up? This is Rick Thorne, the Biker in Black. Welcome to my show. On this episode, I got OG punk rocker Doug Carrion. He's played in so many different bands, from The Descendants to Dag Nasty. He's recorded with so many bands. He's an OG legend punk rocker in the house. I'm going to call him right now. Let's do this. Hey, man. What's happening? What's up, dude? What are you doing? Oh, nothing. Just... Doing an email, listening to some mixes, just, you know, just doing the dude, living the dream, living the dream. You are the dream, dude. You've been in so many dream bands, bro. I know. It's a blessing and a curse, you know? Oh, well, I mean, well, okay, how about this? What's the curse side? <laughs> the, well, the, the curse side is how, like, easily I get distracted, like, just my, like, OCD and just, like, I'm moving on, I'm moving on, like, that's the, the thing. But I'll go with more, I'll lean more on the blessing than the curse. But it's definitely like, maybe like my obsession with music is the curse part. (laughs) You you know, it's it's like literally just in the DNA. Just like, oh, you just do it. You love it. Sometimes you're frustrated with it, but it's just what you do. You know, it's just what you do. (laughs) What you do takes up, outside of family, it takes up like all the bandwidth. Absolutely. Well, I, I know what you mean because it's the same with writing and music and being, a, you know, all of it. You're just like, you love it, but at times you're like, dude, just, God, you know. But you enjoy, yeah. enjoy the ride, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to do that. And, and like anything, if you're, if, by no means am I miserable. And when I say curse, I don't mean as in on the wrong side of it. I mean that it's like sometimes. You take, let's say, like riding BMX. I'll use you as an example. It's like you love riding BMX, and part of it is getting injured. And you go, oh, no. Yeah. And you get, bang- you get banged up. It's just part of the game. And for me, with doing music, it's the same thing. It's where you're, you throw so much energy and focus and oxygen at something, and sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't land, sometimes it's against your better instincts like your lizard brain is like you should probably stop playing music and you know i don't know become a welder or something like that but you're like nope i got more songs here we go <laughs> yeah absolutely i don't know i don't know it's, it's, it's a it's a very strange obsession <laughs> very strange obsession yeah but we need it bro without music this world would be boring well, yeah, and there's there's also the you know there's also a thing about it being um, a wonderful equalizer and kind of um, uh, how could I describe it? Just kind of like you can jump over languages and you could jump over econer- uh, economic b- barriers and boundaries and racial boundaries and religious boundaries, and it's like you just you know it's the, it's a wonderful equalizer. You know, people just love music, um, and it seems to connect regardless of all that other stuff you know like you could be rich you could be poor whatever if people are liking a song and connecting to it love it you know it's great and i think that's i think that's what keeps me kind of going is trying to um 
speak this uh, uh, universal language and continue putting things out into the universe that I think are cool and um, worthy and that I would want to listen to. And then you get some weird rando, you know, emails from people in countries that you don't speak their language. And they're like, dude, I freaking love your record. <laughs> and you're like, thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah, you get that connection, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but let me ask you this: because you've been so many bands, you've been doing it for so long. It's hard musically sometimes, though. With with, is that why bands sometimes might break up? You know what I mean? Like, like, well, there's probably a number of reasons why, but like musically, like differences. Do you find it meeting meeting people that you start a band with? I guess is what I'm asking. And you guys see eye to eye, like this is what we want to do. This is sound. Oh, this is rad. Uh, compared to you know, do you think a lot of other bands break up because of that that passion for like what they believe in? And it's not what they want. That's not exactly what they want to do. Well, I I think that that's like being in a band is definitely not easy. Let's start there, and it is a moving goalpost <laughs> that you're trying to constantly kick the ball through, and sometimes you make it through there, and sometimes you don't. Then you throw that. Could you imagine if you were playing, I don't know, I'll use soccer as an example, like, and you were anchored to or connected to four other guys, five other guys or gals in your band, and now you're trying to get the whole group to move to the left, move to the right, so we can, you know, simultaneously kick the ball. And I think that that changes over time. Um, people have different expectations of what, the original goal was they get different interests. Sometimes they burn out. Sometimes drugs take them out. Um, sometimes they would rather raise a family than be stuck in a van driving 500 miles a day. Uh, sometimes there's financial hardship. Um, so it's definitely not for, for the thin skinned. Like if you're, I mean, Everybody should play music. I think that's great. But if you're trying to do it where it's a, I don't know, a career or something that's going to take up 60 hours, 80 hours of your week, that's not for the thin skinned. It's like you have to be, you know, kind of going all the time, you know. And I think that sometimes there can be differences of opinion and sometimes people just burn out. They just get interested in other things. Who knows? You know, who yeah, knows? That's a, true. Why, why, why do relationships go south? You know, marriages and stuff like that. It's like, who, it could be a bazillion different factors. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, I don't know. I, I guess, don't know. I guess I was asking you more of like, have you ever been in a band where like it started off like, okay, this is rad, and then you get past that, like, like say a relationship, you get past that window phase of like a few months, and then you start to see stuff like, uh-oh. Like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be um, in a band with this dude. You know, has yeah, that ever happened to you? Well, it, it, it has happened, but see, the thing is, is I have a very, um, like, I have a really, really keen sense of, of kind of like gauging people. So I'll answer that in two ways. Right now, because I've been playing, you know, for a couple decades, I have a certain kind of equation that I apply, which is, 10% of the job, you have to be a monster player, like just monster, literally a dragon slayer. 90% of the gig is how you are as a human being. And, and what that means is, 
if you're um, a crazy person, a crackhead, whatever, whatever could be dragging you off the off the ra- off the rail. Um, that ninety percent to me is whether or not I would spend five minutes with someone. Right. And I, I've I've said many 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 times uh, uh, before that. I've played with some of the best players in the world, like doing studio sessions, and some of them are the nicest people in the world, but sometimes you have somebody that's a total monster player, but they fail on the 90, they're just a complete jerk, and you just go, I just don't want to do session number two with that guy, that guy's a freaking prick. (laughs) Exactly. you know, I mean, there's just, you do have, like, in a way, you do have a, um, you know, you have a say in the people that are within your, your environment or your workspace or whatever that is, and I, I picked up on it a long time ago where I only want to work with people that I would really want to hang with because 90% of the time it's the hang. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, because you're only on stage for, what, like an hour? You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. You got and, the and other there's... 23 hours to deal with this person, you know what I mean? Yeah, and to me, if it's like, if it, uh, unfortunately, it, it, I guess maybe because I'm, um, you know, just I have a, a good sense of how I think people should treat other people and just how to make things work. Like if somebody kind of misses the basics in social <laughs> social etiquette, I don't. I mean, I really have. I, I wouldn't wish them any ill will, but I really, I just can't get involved with a situation like that because it's only it's only a matter of time before it just crashes and burns, you know. So when somebody when you know when somebody's being a jerk to the bartender or to the waitress or to the sound guy or to the promoter or whatever. You go. Mm, it's only a matter of time before that behavior spills and becomes a, um, uh, I guess maybe like an anchor that could take take the band down or, or embarrass you. And just I just don't I just don't do that. I'm just, yeah. I, I really don't have a lot of interest in that. Absolutely. Well, me neither, man. I don't think. Yeah, you're not going to get anywhere with that. You know. Yeah. Um, you've been in so many bands. Okay, so l- let me start. Well, let me let me just mention. You grew up in Los Angeles. And you grew up around the Descendants guys, right? You guys are all from the same area? Well, yeah. So I, I grew up in Hermosa Beach, which is, to be specific, Los Angeles is a big... Yeah, I know, I know, so, I know. I, and I, I, and I now know you're that. talking about, like, I know you know, but for the listeners, there you go. You go, L.A. is gigantic. Like, you could start at one end and drive for 90 minutes and still be in L.A. It's right, amazing. right, it's yeah. huge. Where I grew up in this little teeny one square mile called Hermosa Beach, which was, you know, the home of Black Flag and Descendants and Circle Jerks, Baba Pennywise, la 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 la. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I started playing music was as a young kid playing lightning fast punk rock to skaters and surfers. <laughs> you know, like the, the, be- the very radical kind of like crazy beach crowd. <laughs> what year was that? Um, I probably started playing in like the, like maybe, I think maybe the first band I was in might have been like 1980, like 1980, 81, 80. I was pretty young, you know, pretty far back there. So I started playing, like goofing around and, and jamming and playing guitar maybe when I was like 14, 15. 
but but the first time I was actually like playing a backyard party, I was probably like sixteen. So you figure that's pretty far back there on the clock. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's definitely man. You got some roots. It says here online that you went to school with with uh, Bill Stevenson and, and Milo. Yeah. Yeah. So so Bill Bill and Milo are a couple of grades above me. And so, but we did go to the same high school. So that's kind of like, I met Bill when I was a freshman and he would have been a junior, that kind of thing. He's a junior or a senior, but a complete misfit, funny character. And where Milo, I knew of Milo, but I really didn't like hang out or talk to Milo until a bunch of years later, like until maybe 1985, um, you know, you descendants like right other than that other than that like milo was a guy that kind of stayed more to himself was more like a uh kind of like a runner guy where bill was a little bit more kind of i don't know a little bit more of a character that you'd see around you know see around i think i think milo was probably like doing a deep dive into studying and he was like studying and then he'd go running right there you go. I wasn't in any of his classes, and I wasn't running. So, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but what was it there like? What was it like growing up there? Like, you know, do, did you see their sh- their early shows before you actually joined with them for a while? Well, it, it's funny that you mention that. Yes, I did see the, uh, several of the early shows, and right now, Descendants are releasing a thing called Ninth and Walnut, which is yep. a re- a record where uh, they wrote a batch of songs. And then the second batch after that was the songs that were Milo Goes to College. So the previous batch, what's on Ninth and Walnut, I hadn't heard some of those hooks since I saw them when I would have been like, again, six, 15, 16 at the barn. Like, so where I lived in, in, at the beach, about three miles away, was this venue called The Barn over in Torrance and that's where most of the punk bands played so songs like Like the Way I Know I haven't heard the song in a quadrillion years wow. but I but I instantly remembered the melody I'm like holy shit I remember that melody like oh my god you know so it's it's one of those things like I saw I, I was lucky enough to see them uh, a couple times original spazzy lineup like you know what, like before you know I don't know, before the fat EP and stuff like that, like pretty far back on the clock and wondering like what, like when they would do like, I like they would do a thing like I like food and you just go, what are these guys, what are these guys doing, you know, but they were definitely, you know, one of the better bands in the room, like they freaking ripped way out of the, out of the, at, at, when they were young, young, young kids, they were playing at a very high level already. You know, it's pretty, yeah. pretty great, pretty great, really, really noteworthy. And then and that kind of led me toward like uh, uh, the Milo goes to college and then kind of just through a, a weird set of circumstances, knowing Bill from the beach and Tony dipping out because of work obligations, the base position became open. And that's where the conversation with Bill started. Awesome. And how, how was that? I mean, like, did he come to you or did you go to him? No, 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 no. He definitely came to me, and and, and in a and in a strange way, um, because the beach is very small. Everybody, you more or less know where everybody lives. It's a small town, right? And so, one day I had gone out walking my dogs, and when I had come back from walking my dogs, there was this scribbled note taped to my door to to at the beach house, 
And it was like, you know, hey, it's Bill. <laughs> Can you call me at SST? Just like that. And he came over and we hung out and had some food and talked shop. And that's when I had learned that he was planning on rebooting it. And, you know, he was he played his cards at the time. He played his cards pretty close to the vest. Like he wasn't sure. He knew he was going to do Descendants because they were already done tracking and mixing I Don't Want to Grow Up. But right at the tail end of that recording, he's realizing... He's not going to go back to Black Flag. He doesn't. He's just going to reboot Descendants, and and he needs players <laughs> like that. Like yeah, just, just like that. Just like that. Awesome, dude. Uh, I, I, that's that's a rad story. Um, and how was that when you got you know your first shows with them? Was it just like this is rad? Was that was that like that wasn't your first band though, right? No, it wasn't my first band. Well, the, I think the the thing is for me, what was great was uh, as far back as far back as you could go. Um, it's it's kind of hard to say. So it's kind of like me. I'll, I'll I'll maybe make a parallel for you in the BMX world when you're riding with a crew of guys or whatever. And then, as a, as a kid, and then all of a sudden, you go to a crew of guys that are a couple of gears above you, and you go, "I got to up my game." It's a bit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're excited, you're a little nervous, you don't want to be the weak link. You're you're like, "Holy shit, I'm learning so much watching everybody play." And Bill is a freight train. Like you can't. Who doesn't want to play in a band with that guy? Like just he's a an animal. And so it was like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it other than to say, like, it was. It, it's one of those things where you have to really up your game and pay attention. And then at the same time, you're like, wow, we're making really, really, really precision fast punk rock at the highest level <laughs> in some backyard in Manhattan Beach playing a beach, you know, freaking weird beach party. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what was the scene like back then? Like compared, I mean, I say compared to now, obviously it's different. But what was it like back then? Like, what, what kind of, how many people would show up to backyard? Do you think? Uh, oh, show? teeny, 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 small. Like you do those for twenty-five people, forty people, like very small. It's just homies, yeah. right? Totally, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very. Uh, you ask an interesting question because parallel to that, at the same time, in Los Angeles, that was the height of like the punk rock gangs. So it was sketchy to go to shows i mean it was super sketchy wait like, so punk rock gangs you mean like like all the skinheads showing up and all that kind of stuff yeah right? skinheads suicidals the lads freaking yep. all, all it's just like so, think like just like the hot uh the circle one guys like at, at the height of all of those problems you know uh there were shows you know you're going to shows and it was like it was uh, it was just as intensive an experience to go to the shows and then navigating around um, very very serious beefs between different clans of punkers. Well, they were just showing and, up. They were just showing up to cause trouble. Cause trouble. Fight. Uh, blah, get revenge. Yeah. yeah get yep, revenge. Yeah. Like it's all. It's like you know. You just fill in the blanks. You go. I mean, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like. Um, uh, let's say there's an altercation between the suicidal guys and, and the lads, whatever. I'll use an example. And all of a sudden, 
there's going to be a GBH show at Olympic Auditorium. That's the time the suicidal guys are going to try to retaliate. <laughs> right. And so you're in the you're in the crossfire of that. You're just trying to watch. You're just trying to get your you know your GBH on, and, and you're in the crossfire of like heavy gang shit. That for me as a beach guy, like I grew up on a skateboard, on a surfboard. What do I know from gangs and stuff? Like I don't know any of that stuff. It's not in my it's not in my um, repertoire. Uh, where you when you go to the Olympic Auditorium, you're like, holy shit, everybody's got fucking knives. And, you know, it's just gnarly, like really, really gnarly, sketchy, scary situations that spun wildly out of control very fast, like full-blown gang fights. You think that gave, you think that gave punk a bad kind of like thing in the beginning because of the shows like that? Um, I think it did because it started bringing more cops and more cops meant more riot squads and less shows. And right. I mean... Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's simple, or uh, I guess you could say it's simple math, where it's like, that's not something where you want to go and celebrate music, that's like intentionally going into a war zone, into into fighting, and you and uh, you could see that the, if you're a gang guy, that's the best thing in the world. Right. If you're, so, if you're somebody that just wants to go, I don't know, you just want to go see Descendants play, or you want to go see Minutemen play, or... You know, I just want to see Minor Threat play. What's the big deal? I don't see what the big deal is. And and you're now um, in the. You're just in the soup. You're in the middle of of an undercurrent of violence that like can shut shows down, put you in harm's way, draws the police, makes it sketchy. Like you kind of got to roll with a clique of guys that kind of know how to escape can't really bring your girlfriend to those kinds of things you know i don't know how to describe it other no, than i get like, it it, yeah. it went more in a not fun direction than in a fun direction right and you guys are a fun band i mean i, I always heard i never got to see black uh, in the subject of this i never got to see black flag play and i always <laughs> heard that their shows were very i mean i saw them play recently but like i mean back mm-hmm. in the day and right. uh i always heard that their shows got to be pretty pretty crazy yeah, well, the th- the thing is, is that the Black Blood shows were were great, and there were a lot of kids and a, and a lot of kids fighting and venting and going ballistic and all that shit. No problem. Right. But there was a long period of time where Black Flag couldn't play in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. Because so it's like to me, what's rather is like I remember going to a show at the Whiskey, and I can't remember who who was playing. I can't. Maybe it was a Meat Puppet show or something like that. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I see one black flag amp roll onto the stage, awesome. another black flag, amp, and I'm like, it's giving me goosebumps right now. I'm like, holy shit, black flag's playing. And sh- sh- I'm not kidding, fucking. Boom! The bit, and it was a it was five man flag. So Henry on vocals, Denzel on guitar, and it was epic. And the they peeled the paint off the off the fucking walls. But it was one of those things where they had to be very stealth. So in the beach folklore, like in the beach community, there are shows where they played like house parties, and you're like, there's no way that band would play a house party. And you go, yep, they would play the Pancakes House. You know, there were these two girls. And Pancake and her sister, and they play their show. They play their freaking living rooms. You know, Nip Drivers opening, just like amazing, Dude, amazing. That's off awesome. Off the grid, off the grid punk shows. That's but they so were doing sick. it. They were doing it because, again, um, 
the the reality was uh, uh, you couldn't do shows without either too many people showing up, too many gang guys saying that's where we're going to get our uh, revenge, the cops busting it up. It was like it, they became kind of like more of a mystery in a way, more of a fo- like a, a mystery. So it was super special to see them during those times when they would just do these pop-up shows. Badass. So badass. So amazing. So like, they got they yeah. got banned because what? Because of the violence and the gangs and shit? Or they just were like, or, or, or it was so new to society. Like, what is this chaos? We don't want this in our, in our venues. Like, what, what was the reason? Do you know? Uh, I, I think the reason was probably all the above. I mean, right. I mean, you know, punkers break things. So you have a show and the punkers are going to break the club. You know, that's kind of normal. For, for Black Flag, uh, I, I think one of the big things is that there was so much violence and so many fights at their shows and so much shit got destroyed. It became one of the things where the cops would lean on the promoters to not, don't freaking, don't bring this band out. Like, they, they got banned. Right. Which is, you know, I mean, that happened again with, you know, Bad Brains having issues like that. You know, sometimes that happens where uh, a band is known for so much trouble that it just gets squashed before the show can even happen. So the only thing they do is either go on the road <laughs> and they go play in whatever, go in New York and go to fucking Dallas or whatever. Right. Or they do these off-the-grid shows, you know, very Off-the-grid is the shit, dude. That's the oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so even, was... to this, even to this day, like, Fletcher from Pennywise, he's still very off-the-grid. Like, he loves those backyard, weird backyard he does. shows. Didn't he, he just do one? Shit. He just did one at a, somewhere in, in Hermosa. Uh, I don't think it was yeah. Pennywise. It was a different band. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So... So, so I was on that show. So Fletcher and I, when we were kids, had this punk band that was very minor threat called Con 800. And every, like, every once in a blue moon, like maybe once every five years, the band plays. Because he's in a full-time band. He's in Pennywise. He's always traveling and shit. Right. And so he had asked me this year, he's like, would you, would you want to do a Con 800 show? I'm like, oh, whatever. What's the date? And we'll figure it out. But those are shows where and i don't know if you and i talked about this before at like the liquid death thing but those are things where he's so notorious in that hemisphere that he'll call the chief of police from hermosa and manhattan beforehand and say you know hey it's fletcher uh i'm doing this thing don't worry about it we're going to be done by here so he tries to do it in a way where at least the authorities know ahead of time so they don't come and three songs in you get shut down so, right you know that's kind of where it is but but uh if it were you know you know if it were up to him he would play like all those like you know iron man and all those like weird beach <laughs> beach things that they do he loves that shit <laughs> oh yeah dude i toured with he him so many years stuff. on warp tour i love that dude yeah. so much he's the best yeah hey, you know I, I, th- best. I, I thought of another band that got uh uh banned in LA, well, all surround, you know, all of Los Angeles uh, area, uh, suicidal tendencies did at one time too. I think. Yeah, they they that too would be probably around the same time, and probably for the same reason where it was like, um, great band, even to this day, smoking band, badass. But but the gang part, 
almost superseded the band. Right. And so it was like, uh, I don't know how to explain it other than to say, when you booked Suicidal Tendencies, you knew like, oh shit, the gang guys are coming. And so it was just a whole, it was a, a factor that they had to weigh in. And there was, a, you know, there was a, 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 a funny show that Descendants did direct support to Suicidal Tendencies. So I'm going way back on the clock. So probably Whoa, in 1985, 86, at the Balboa Theater, which is already in a gnarly neighborhood. Gnarly. Like, heavy, heavy gang neighborhood. Then you have this punk show. And so as we're getting ready to do this show, because I had seen suicidal fights at Fender's Ballroom, Olympic Auditorium, the Whiskey, the, well, I'd, I'd seen the whole shenanigans. I had said to Bill and Milo, I'm like, look, guys, here's what, how we're going to play this. We're going to park the van in the alley. We're going to load in. We're going to do our show. We're going to leave the van in the alley. For whatever reason, if cops come, if a gang war breaks out, leave the gear, just head right to the van, and we'll drive out. And that was our plan. Like We had to build in an escape hatch. That's how spooked out I was at that show like holy shit like I have to have an escape hatch straight wow. up and those guys didn't they were like they're like okay and then once they saw the crowd they're like oh shit Doug you're right we're glad we parked the van right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean it's one That's of those funny. I'm not kidding guys I'm not kidding <laughs> I'm not fucking around so, guys I'm telling you right now you better be on your toes <laughs> yes and, and, and those are the things like those are the things that it's sometimes hard to compute for people because if you grew up post-Nirvana and you went to shows and you bought your shirts at Hot Topics or whatever, shows were totally different. I came from a place where it was like, you had to watch out for the band, you had to watch out for the fans, you had to watch out for the cops. I've been in the room when the riot squad is shooting tear gas at the dead Kennedys and you're scrambling wondering, holy, what fucking direction am I going to get out of here? Like, like that, like that's normal for me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cops shoot the, the tear gas into the crowd and then they come in and, and start swooping. Just crazy, crazy different variation of what, Ah, punk shows now. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say that they're safe now, but they're very different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're pretty very safe different. compared. I mean, I, you know, I remember going to punk shows early on because you're you're only about uh, well, you're born in '64. It says I was born in '69, so you right. know, a couple years older. Yeah, yeah. So the shows I went to, you know, I was I grew up in Kansas City, so uh, we didn't have the gangs as much, but we did have some problems with a lot of like. You know, skins and fights, yep. and always looking for that kind yep. of thing. But it really, it was, it was, it was different. It was, it wasn't as as intense as your probably what you went through. But it was still, it still had its its violent moments, and it was still like, oh yeah, fun to go to. And like we, you probably played at a place, this place a long time ago. You've been around long enough. Uh, remember the Outhouse in Lawrence, Kansas? I, I played the Outhouse a bunch of times. That's where that. the, actually, a, actually, the funny thing is, I was, I'll, I'll go super science on you. I played the Fool Killer Theater once. Oh wow! So, okay. So that, that, that's something where you go. Wait a minute! I gotta look that shit up. So I played there a few times, and in that, uh, in those, so I played the, the Outhouse, 
played the Fool Killer. Max's uh, Kansas City. I, I, uh, in New York, no. CD's no, a bunch. No, no, no. It was it was called it was in Kansas City. Was no, it, wasn't it called? Uh, Do you ever play in Kansas City or no? Yeah. Wasn't it yeah. called Max's? Was that what, wasn't it? Was it called? I, maybe I don't think I played. The, I don't think I played that one. I played Fool Killer. I played the Outhouse a bunch. I've done the one. Yeah. So probably like what? It's not coming to to thing. I'm thinking like Hurricane. Like a, later, I played like the Hurricane in some of those spots. But whatever. You know, it is what it is. But yeah, I know the hur- the Hurricane's still there. I think. Yeah. 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 But what's noteworthy is definitely like in that region they had a lot of kind of a the skinhead um, troubles and and that was always a yeah it's always a bummer to try to navigate because again it's usually some s- skateboard kid or BMX kid or whatever just wanting to go see whoa holy shit a punk band from California you know so they just want to go see the music and they're they've stepped into uh, the deep end of trouble and they really don't know they don't know what's about to happen so wait dude wait dude you're good I just looked this up. Max's in Kansas City is a club in New York. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so that's why I was like, I don't know. No, you know your I, clubs, I, dude. What was the name? There was another punk club in Kansas City. I thought it was called Max's. And this is before I started going to shows, so I could be wrong, dude. But anyone listening, no, you, I don't want to sound like an idiot. But yeah. like, Kansas City, Max's Kansas City was in New York. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dude, you know your jam, dude. You're badass, bro. Dude, you should write a, You should write a book, I, dude. Uh, maybe I've been doing the rounds. I make, I've been making the rounds, you know. But those are the things that it's like, you know, you you kind of remember and and clubs come and clubs go and clubs have their own folklore, <laughs> right? You know, exactly. Uh, yeah. So so that's the just to go. Yeah, I remember going through. I remember you. You remember going a lot of times. You know, you remember going through certain cities and you have friends and. Whatever you just you play whatever you've been doing it a long time I'm not I'm not that uh, I'm not that far gone I'm like yeah yeah I remember like that's that's the shitty club right there I played there <laughs> yeah you know? uh, uh, yeah you you know and you've been you've been around so long dude you were in one of the mo- one of my most favorite bands back in the day and you're gonna be like no way well I, I think you're gonna be stoked about doggy style dude I fucking wow. love that band right right. I got that record, so, bro. I got the uh, what's it called? Last laugh. I I have that LP. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a that's a fun one. That that's a fun, you know. And and I don't know if you know that after that band broke up, a bazillion later, years later, Brad the singer and I started a band called Humble Gods, which had its own run. And then after that broke up, Brad went on to start Cottonmouth Kings. So wow. As hard as, I don't know if, sometimes people can't even connect the dot. They go, wait a minute, the guy in the weird punk straight edge band, the, the Chili Pepper straight edge band became the Cottonmouth Kings guy? You go, yep. <laughs> so That's crazy. You know, what, they, what do they say? You know, punkers, you know, punkers don't die, they just take Vicodin. You know what I mean? They just, like, they just keep going. <laughs> I mean, keep going. I'm not saying drugs are good, people. I'm just saying that does happen. They just keep going. Dude, they do. And Doggy Style was amazing. I didn't, you know, yeah. honestly, I didn't know that uh, Homie from Kama Kings was in that band until recently. So, mm-hmm. like, so, like, I recently, okay, I recently got a record player, uh, from Monster Energy, they made these record players, gave it to us and stuff. And so I pulled out all my old records. I was like, oh, I love Doggy Style. And 
I was able to record it now on the MP3. But then I actually went back and looked at like yeah. the record sleeve, you know, the lyric sheets and stuff that's inside yeah. it. And I'm like, wait a second, I started to connect the dots. Because that's what you did as a kid. You didn't have the yeah. internet. You didn't, you, you didn't have these things to look at, like who's and what's bands. You would get the record and you would look at the lyric sheet and go, oh, no way. That dude was in this band and then he formed with this guy and that guy's from right. this band. And you connected to see the dots that way. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot different now. Yeah, the punk rock, I, I, the punk rock, well, what's interesting is that the punk rock family tree, like just everybody that's in punk rock, and let's go from like, I don't know, whatever, 79 to 1999, like, well, I don't know, whatever, whatever the window is, there's a lot of people that are connected and swapped out in different bands and stuff like that. Now, the, the, the younger, younger people that are getting into punk rock, I'd say half of them don't care they just like the music and then there's another chunk of them that are total historians like they're they freaking know all the details all the so some of them that's why there's things right now like trust records and people where they're trying to do these reissues in a way to protect some of that legacy so that you know so later down the line people can more easily track that information the internet the internet's a great thing and then the internet's like ah you know whatever but um yeah it's an amazing spider web of people trying to uh explore music and push the envelope further and and try to connect community wise and it's a it's a it's a cool thing and a lot of a lot of the bands are still going some of them stop going you know but there is this giant uh tree of and and you can connect them all it's a, it's really a, it's really amazing especially when you you think of like um the early bands that were touring whether you're talking black flag or dead kennedys or the circle jerks and then how many people saw some of those bands and started their own bands or and you know no different than the first few times the ramones came through uh and especially in in the uk and how many people saw them at the roundhouse in 74 or whatever you know 76 or whatever it was and yeah. they're like hey shit we should start a band you know so well i grew up i grew up i liked it being in the midwest we got a lot of everything and what i liked most about punk rock back in the day was there were so many different characters it wasn't the same sound same look same same body motions right. on stage it was almost like it got to be it was like is this choreographed or what's going on and you know, you had the misfits from the Black Flag, from the Descendants to like Minor Threat. Everybody, Youth Brigade, everybody was different, you know, but it was still labeled uh-huh. like punk rock. And what what I liked about a lot of the DC scene, the Discord, was I liked a lot uh-huh. of those bands. And what I noticed, I, and that's where I started to go, wait a second. So this dude was in Minor Threat and this, and then he left that band. Right to Spring is basically like, you know, half of Fugazi which is like, uh-huh. and then Jeff Nelson did this with Ian McKay, and then, and, uh-huh. and then this is Ian McKay's brother, and then and it, a lot of those members seemed like they switched a lot, switched around a lot, which started to like open my eyes to like, you know, I didn't start a band two years later in my life, but to like say like, oh, like it doesn't have to be like a group of guys in a garage growing up to be a band. Because I always thought that as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like I didn't know bands were put together. I didn't really understand how it even worked. I'm talking as a little kid, you know. And then I yeah. and then I got more into punk rock. I started to go, oh, they just switched from band to band. Like, oh wow, that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and the DC. What's funny, and I'm not like a historian on the DC scene and stuff like that, but the DC model 
like their intentions were really to just do music for people in DC and for their friends. Right. Like they didn't really have like ambitions to go play in California or whatever. Like that really wasn't the initial idea. Like they just, they wanted to do more like house parties and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was really different. Um, as, as it became more popular and more popular and more popular. But it's funny that you bring that up because Ian, um, I was on Discord, Dag Nasty, and, and Ian is a really incredible, what he calls an archivist. So he has everything. And I mean, we're talking like weird artifacts and receipts and letters that fans wrote to him and some of the people might have been in bands or whatever. Maybe they're not in bands. I mean, he has a gigantic treasure trove of documentation from when he was, a, whatever, 17, from Teen Idols or whenever he started that, up to all through the Fugazi world. It's like a really, really, really amazing. Really That's awesome, amazing. dude. Um, like, you, you talk about... Uh, and again, we're talking about one particular blip on the map and one scene of characters, but man, did he really take a very high-resolution snapshot of that arc. Like, that guy's got everything. He has everything. Everything. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite. I mean, you know, like, uh, just you know certain certain people in certain bands you just like their vocal tone you like their style you know mm -hmm. Ian McKay was always you know because I just I came from a place where I was like trying to get out of like uh I didn't want to fall into that like drugs and alcohol world and and uh -huh, I, I, wanted sure. to, I wanted to do something with my life and I knew that bike riding was something I love to do and that kind of always you know us as riders and I would probably say skaters and motocross and a lot of people in action sports uh you know, we lean towards the music to motivate us because we don't need anyone else to ride. I ride by right. myself quite a bit. Not that I want to, but, you know, it just that's the way yeah. it goes. And uh, you, you just try to pick the music that kind of relates to your personality. And, you know, I always liked that DC scene for that positivity that I needed to, to overcome yeah. my own personal shit. And, uh, you know, so that's why I really like that scene. And, I, and it goes back to where, what I was saying looking at the record sleeves and being or the lyric sheets and being like oh this is sick and then you know, like i said even just recently i pulled out doggy style and i played it and i was like dude this is the jam now now real quick was was uh uh what's his name from from honor threat uh and dag nasty what's his name brian baker was he in doggy style uh -huh. too well i don't if he, how about this he was on that recording got he it was on that recording but it was really like to say in the band, it was kind of like more like it was a studio project that happened during in between. Uh, I guess you could say in between the time I left Descendants and joined Dad Nasty, there was like a six month period. And one of the things we did was wrote a bunch of songs that became that the Last Laugh record. One of the other things we did was wrote a bunch of songs that became We Got a Dankos. <laughs> so we were always dude. We got a Dankos. Yeah. Anyone listening? Dad Nasty, get this record. We Got a Dankos. It's the best. Dude. What, is, what does Wig Out of Danko's even mean? What is that? Is that a club or something? No. So Danko's, basically, uh, Danko's, and this is a Peter question, but I do know the answer to it. Um, but Peter Cortner would be the, the one to answer it. But basically, Danko's was a place with the, a, a guy that used to throw house parties. 
and they would go to, to these house parties and, and rage and just cause trouble and just there it is. So it was out. a place where him, yeah, it's a place where him and his buddies would just go and and they were house parties. So how was that transition into? Well, I mean, not transition, but how did it happen? How did Dagnasty happen? Well, so for you, for so you, for the, you, for, for me, it was one of those things where. Um, Descendants were starting to work on the next batch of songs, and the next batch of songs were, and, and so everybody knows, I love Bill, I'm still friends with Bill, I love Milo, I'm still friends with Milo, Steph, and the whole crew, like, we're still very, very tight. At that time, they, Bill was leaning more into the progressive process of weeding out kind of stuff, very flaggish, and I was like let's write another milo goes to college let's write my dad sucks like you know that like i really love the one minute 30 second pop nugget <laughs> right i love that and so um it was one of those things keep in mind there's no career in punk rock so it was one of those things where i was like hey you know i think i'm gonna take a break and start playing with brian and so that's kind of how it happened and brian came to los angeles and we were figuring out what to do we did this recording uh, that became the last laugh thing, and then and then Brian started to get a little bit like I guess maybe bored with Los Angeles and and wanted to get back to air quotes to it, and so he was like, "Hey, I'm thinking of rebooting Dad Nasty. Do you do, would you like to help me? Kind of, you want to partner up on it?" And so that started the I guess you could say uh, that started the conversation, and then it was writing, 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 writing. Uh, we ended up moving back to, D to D.C., rehearsing with Peter and Colin, rehearsing, 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 and then all of the songs that were on the Wig Out of Tankos record were kind of, all the pre-production was done in D.C., and then we went in to Inner Ear and recorded it with Ian, just like, just like you'd think, just like that. So, Rad, how was it recording with Ian, just out of curiosity? Um recording with Ian is pretty uh, recording with Ian is pretty cool he has a great system of how he does it um it's definitely the Ian show so if you're thinking of bringing in like you know mandolins or I don't know whatever you're thinking you're probably going to get shut down <laughs> I got it yeah yeah I understand yeah, uh, yeah 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 so he, he he's uh he's um also like the most straight up mofo you could ever meet uh his word is his bond. He's one of those guys. Like a hundred thousand years later, you go, "Yep, still the same guy." Yeah, exactly. Very consistent. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, incredibly consistent. And also, you know, there are times where um, uh, uh, I can empathize with the amount of pressure he was under. A lot of people look to him, kind of like you know, as the guy with the answers and. He had some of the answers, but he didn't have all the answers. But he always had to kind of try to, um, you know, I don't know. Pe people put him on a very, very high pedestal, and that was a lot. Of, I'm sure that's a lot of pressure for somebody that's 18, 19, 20. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. But that's no different than kids that are kid actors, and you go, dude, that's awesome, but I hope they pop out the other side um functioning human beings and it's great to see that like he kind of you know he takes he's taken some swats on the nose but overall he's like the most straight up guy in the world and never 
deviated from his intentions. His intentions are pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Um, what, what was it? What was it like playing uh, the Dag Nasty shows compared to like? Say the Descendants, like was it the same kind of crowd? You know, because back then punk rock was punk rock. You would go see all kinds of shows. It wasn't really like, it wasn't really um, sectioned off I, yet. It didn't seem like. I, I, I think that like I mean, with the Dagnasty ones, in certain markets there was more of the sing along, where everybody wanted to crowd to the stage and and sing with Peter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Very the whatever you call that. Where Descendants wise. People like you know they wanted to like sing the songs from their space where they were dancing or watching or whatever you know jumping on stage or whatever they didn't necessarily want to like tackle Milo for the group gang vocal <laughs> not the same way that they would do that with Peter Cortner where it's like it's a, like what is it in rugby where they call it a scrim is that what they call it where everybody huddles together is that I'm right? not sure I don't know much I don't about know rugby, whatever yeah. it's a lot it's a lot like that where it's like. Uh, uh, that's how Peter ends up with chipped teeth because you know he's trying to sing and some Yahoo f comes flying over the over the dog pile to try to sing too and lands on him. You know, <laughs> so a bit, slightly different, slightly different. But you the mean, you, you, idea, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, just the idea of everybody like celebrating and enjoying music that doesn't really change. Yeah, I mean, you recorded you recorded and been in the bands. Two of my favorite fucking records uh, i'm telling you doggy style not to go back to doggy style too much but just for me to say i felt like it was kind of ahead of its time i don't know i liked it a lot and then dag nasty yeah. wig out of danko's is my favorite dag nasty record now going to up to speed now you started a band called field day tell me about field day right. because that's the title of one of dag nasty's records correct right right yes 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 so in 20, um, we're going way north on the clock now. So we're coming kind of like to, to, to now. Yeah, <laughs> to to now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in 2018, um, Peter and I started having a conversation about doing the Wig Out at Danko's material live. And we were trying to figure out what was the best way to do it. We had involved Brian, but Brian's schedule is a little bit funky because he's in Bad Religion, which is a full-time band to the full-time band like that guy travels and and the way bad religion does their cycle is it's usually like they're they're kind of like signing on for like an 18 month run like it's long like a year and a half run and so we knew brian wasn't going to be available and so peter and i started talking about doing this project and we were going to call it field day and what we were going to do was i guess you could say look at and play the first three Dagnasty records, can I say, Wig Out at Danko's, which Peter sang on, and the Field Day record, which Peter sang on. Peter and I played on and wrote songs and sang on Wig Out at Danko's and Field Day. So stuff that we wrote and stuff that we toured on. Then the plan was, after we had done, a, a, we were going to do something, I don't know, 25 shows, 30 shows, then we were going to start writing songs for Field Day, for this new project. So now, as I move way into 2021, we've already gone out and done the first run of dates. We did a bunch of dates in 2019. We took that all the way up to the top part of 2020. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, rather than taking a break or putting the band on hiatus, 
Peter and I and and Shay and Kevin, who were in the band in Field Day with us, we doubled down and we actually started writing and recording. So since COVID started, we've released two things on Unity Worldwide out of Leipzig, Germany. The records are distributed in Germany through Cortex, which is like the Amoeba, but for Berlin over there. Here in America, the records go through through uh, Revelation, so through Rev HQ. Um, we had two releases come out, a 7-inch that came out called Field Day 2.0, which did very well in the vinyl 7-inch world. Who would have thunk it? Then we went right back into the studio and did another recording called Opposite Land, which was a five-song EP, five songs on the B side and a Peter etching on the A side. Uh, the package put together by Simon Tripponi, again out on Unity Worldwide, distributed through Cortex, distributed through Rev HQ, blah, 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 blah. And now we are, uh, I guess you could say, yes, we're still recording, so we're doing all that stuff, but we're just about to get back to doing shows. So now that the COVID thing, fingers crossed, seems to be um, maybe lightening up in certain markets, uh, we're getting ready to go back and do, we'll probably do somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 18 to 20 shows between September 22nd and December 15th. And for all of that stuff, you, if you go on our Instagram or you go on our Facebook page, it's Field Day Sounds, and you can see all the dates there and correspond with the band and all that stuff. So literally, if you want to sing like, all ages show. You go, oh, I want to sing all ages show. You go, okay, they're going to be in Philly. Come out, <laughs> come sing. <laughs> that's it. Like we do, we do that and we do the new material. Like that's where we're going. Oh, we're playing punk rock bowling too. So come sing, come sing at that one. Dude, no. So you're saying, oh, so what you're saying is, is people could sing songs on stage, like kind of like as if it's a, a punk rock karaoke style thing. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, that oh, sing along. We were talking sorry, about, sorry, yeah, you know yeah. how the, like everybody bum rushes to the front of the stage because yeah, they want to sing their favorite, their favorite jam. Yeah, it's like that. So right now, um, we probably sorry, dude. Do, I I got you. I was like thinking, yeah, like, yeah. We pro- we probably do like. I mean, I'd say of the shows that we've done so far that we did before, it's a hundred percent stuff from. Uh, we got a Dankos, can I say, and the Field Day record. Like, that that's the show. Right. Now, as we start doing the new material, we'll start adding in a song, adding in a song. But that becomes a little bit of a, of a mystery because every room is different. Some people might want to hear more songs from We Got a Dankos. Some people might want to hear more Can I Say songs. Some people might want to hear more Field Day songs. Some people might want to hear more of the new songs. So we're trying to navigate what's the best way to go about that but a lot of times you know people want to come out and sing exercise or they want to come out and sing the godfather can i say is their jam i want to sing justification or whatever you go okay cool and we try to you know we try to do the show and and um i i wouldn't say we're a requests band but we try like we try to play the songs and do them justice and people come out and sing and have fun and your crowd is, like, like you said, it's all ages, so you get all different types. New school, old school, right? All, all different types. Yeah, yeah, we get all, I mean, we definitely do the all ages shows, but, it, but I mean, it's a wide variety. Like, sometimes the all ages shows are, like, cool because it's, like, 
parents that saw us bringing their kids. It's like that. Um, sometimes we do those shows and there's like just younger, younger bucks, you know, there's that. Sometimes it's the 21 and up crowd. So we try to do, we try to do all ages um, wherever we can. And then there are some times where the only place that we can get into is a 21 and up venue. And sometimes that's the way that is too. So we just, you know, we try to do the best we can to just accommodate whatever the, the mark, the city wants. It's so rad, dude. I mean, during yeah. this, yeah. Anyone out there, check out Phil Day. Go watch you guys. Check out their shows, buy their music, support them. Um, so rad, dude. You answered like a lot of questions that I was always curious about in this interview. As like, and plus when I talked to you the other night, because you know, growing up in the Midwest, and you're into punk rock in the '80s, early '80s, it's just different because you don't have mm-hmm. access to things, and you're just curious. There's like, what's that like, and what's this band like, and stuff, and. uh I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today and like and everyone else out there and give them a little history lesson on, you know, punk rock and, and, and bring us up to speed on what you're doing right now. Um, is there anything else you got going on besides Phil Day? I noticed that you do a lot of stuff with film and TV. Uh, you score music and stuff and record for that as well. I, I do that, but right now Field Day is taking up a, a ton of bandwidth. Like, oh my gosh, it takes a ton of bandwidth, but... Separately from that, uh, I will say this. Uh, I am involved in the music publishing world, too, which is a whole nother nother thing. And then I also, uh, I guess you could say, mentor two younger kids. They're not my kids, but two kids from the Baltimore area that have their own podcast called Bad Music Taste and Other Ways to Ruin Your Life. And so shout out to Dominic and Sam. Uh, Samantha, and they're like, um, uh, how could I put it? They're like, maybe like what was Flipside Magazine when you, like, what was the magazine that you read when you were a kid? Maximum Rock and Roll, Flipside? Like, what, what were you? What yeah. Was, uh, Triple was, X, Suburban Voice? What were you reading? Yeah, you know them all. Uh, for me, yeah, I, just, course, I just knew about, dude. I knew about the first two, Maximum Rock and Roll. What was the other one you said? Flipside, Flipside. Flip, flip yeah, I knew those two, but it was more Maximum Rock and Roll. That was where like, I got a lot of information from. Yeah. Right, and so, so and zines. People would do local zines. Remember zines? Where like you were like, of course, you'd be like, dude, this got a zine in New York. Like, what? I'm gonna get that. You know? (laughs) Yeah, and that's and what's interesting about Dominic and Samantha is that even though they're they're young, like these guys are like 13. They're like in eighth grade. They are freaking super knowledgeable about punk rock music. Super knowledgeable. So if you ever want to see like the long form interview with them doing an interview with Ian McKay, you go, or Mackay, you go, Holy shit. I mean, they, they're like, they're really, really knee deep in like the music thing. And they have a fascinating spin on what they connect to. It's really incredible to see the digital version of a zine now. And they just do these online, they do these online interviews and, and interview people from the punk community what's the podcast what's the podcast called again it's called bad music taste and other ways to ruin your life bad music taste just like that and um yeah they're like they're it's wonderful so those are outside of my field day shenanigans i i there's a certain kind of like punk rock um i guess you could say like i still help people (laughs) awesome i try to I still help people, so 
part of my thing is like, you know, yeah, I'm like helping these kids with their podcasts and I like try to introduce them to band guys and I help people on the, like right now I'm going through the entire government issue catalog and making sure that all of the publishing is set up properly. Wow. <laughs> so I still do like, I, mm, unless people are really into the music industry part of it, the music Wait. stuff, like I'm still very, very knee deep in helping people being an ambassador of goodwill, um, sharing a phone number when I can sharing a contact when I can, uh, cause you're from the old school. Cause you're from the old school, dude. That's what we I'm did. It was school. like, you did it cause you <laughs> loved it. Not because, you know, you saw this formula of success and that like, you know, and it could be your job and you could tour the world and do that. Even though you probably had those dreams with that as well. That's how it was with BMX too. Like, you know, dude, growing up, it was like, we, I rode because I wanted to get out of the house. There was no, like, future in this shit. You know what I mean? Like, graduated high school and started busting tables and fucking, I wanted to be a pro bike rider in Missouri. It was just a different world. But, right. But, but you keep those, what I'm getting at is, is you keep that, those roots of, like, you know, of who you are from that time, which is real refreshing because, you know, sometimes people may think that there's not people out there that are like that, but there are. You know what I mean? You're right. one of them. You know, I'm one I'm of them. I, I, I'm, I'm freakishly like that. Like, the, sometimes I wonder, you know, I really do make my uh, make myself available to people. In fact, I just over the weekend, um, there was a, a, a guy that had called me from, um, he lives up toward Maine, and he has a punk label that he's starting, and the punk label um, is, uh, they, they're focusing on melodic punk rock. And so I told him, I'm like, look, give me a call. We'll talk, you know, we'll talk for about an hour and I'll kind of hear what you're doing and see if I can maybe point, nudge you in the right direction. Or you could tell me to piss off. That's fine too. Um, and so part of what I do is to help people navigate some of like, oh, wow. Then later what'll happen is he'll come to a show or I might have a melodic punk band and be like, hey, Brian, check out this band, and maybe they'll do a seven-inch or not. You know, like that's kind of how it works. Um, Absolutely, and that's, how it's that's how it's always worked. That's how it's always worked. You know, if you're people that are in the pre-Nirvana version of bands, like if you're in that, you knew when you went to I don't know. Let's say like you're doing a show with Seven Seconds. This is totally stupid, but right on topic. At some point. Kevin and I would move to a quiet area and we would exchange phone numbers. Who do you got for Dallas? Who do you got for Kansas City? Yeah. What are you doing in Albany? And that's how that network worked. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. So it's badass. It's still, you know, in a, in a way, it's like I still believe in that and um, I'm happy to help people when I can and, and so forth. And that's kind of what you were talking about. Oh, what do you do outside of. Um, outside of field day it's like i try to be a good person i try to be an ambassador of goodwill i try to keep the pma i try to be a good role model and leader and and help people when and where and how i can whenever you connect i can the, you, you know? connect the dots dude i do i try not you know i try i try to do the good work it's all I'm good it. hey real quick real quick before we leave i want to ask you a question you brought this up earlier and i found it like you just or you just said something government issue getting their publishing all these years, they haven't got that straight? Well, it's not that they haven't had it straight. It's that it's been very unorganized. Got it. Because so, they're one of my favorite what, bands, by the way. Government yeah, Issue, yeah. 
Oh my gosh, oh, I yeah. love that band. And every record was different, but it was still rad. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like they're oh, so good. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And, love that and, band. And so, so what? In in a case of government issue, they were on a couple different labels. Some of the publishing stuff was organized the right way. Some of it was a little bit like you kind of set it up the right way, but you need a little bit of a, of a tune up. And so, Tom, who's a friend is the nicest guy in the world. He plays guitar and writes songs. He doesn't know the back end of why this is supposed to be set up this way instead of that way. Yeah. So I, I don't fault him. He didn't do anything wrong. He's just like, that's outside my wheelhouse. You know, it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like somebody asking you things that have to do with brain surgery. And well, it's like, a lot oh, of work though too, dude. I mean, even, even yeah. my own band, I run my own band and I've done all of it from like, yeah. you know, studying and like, you know, from, from all of, of how it all works, I didn't know, and so I had to do my own research, do my own homework, and a lot of times, even for me, I get confused. So, I, if you're just yeah. a musician that wants to play, you're like, I don't got time for this. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, uh, an example would be up to now. This is a fascinating on-topic point. Up to now, Peter Cortner has never organized his publishing, and so I was like, wait a minute, Peter. After all these years. And he's like, I, uh, Scooby, uh, you know, and I was like, all right, dude, I sat him down at my kitchen table. I opened up my laptop. I'm like, okay, here's my credit card. Here, here's the fill out this application. I'll pay for it. And now we're going to get him organized. So now, like, you know, when Wig Out at Danko's plays on freaking JetBlue, he gets, you know, a hundredth of a penny or whatever it is. So yeah, that's one of those things where you help the people that you love as best you can. You try to go, dude, let's let's work together to help you get sorted out. <laughs> absolutely. You know, you know, absolutely dude. And that's rather that you do that. You're like overall, yeah. like one of the raddest dudes I've met in a long time. I'm glad that we're became friends. And, uh, thank you. And thank I, pre you. I appreciate this interview, bro. Um, anyone out there follow you? What's your, I always ask people what their Instagram is so you can get, you know, some followers and some people to follow what you're doing. Do you have a specific Instagram you want to share? Sure. It's field day sounds. So either on Facebook or on Instagram, Field Day Sounds, and you look for the little squiggle that was um, uh, that Peter drew from the Wig Out record. You go, oh shit! There oh, he are. drew that. That's, yeah, sick. Yeah. See, I like that. That's what I mean. That's what I like even more. Like doing your own artwork and doing your own flyers and doing your own, yeah. or, or just in house with the homies. Like not like this. Like got to hire this person, and then it's like they went to school for this, and then it's like. Which is cool. Don't get me wrong. Which is cool. Which is professional. But I really am from the era you're from, where it was like you just did it yourself. It was just yeah. Let's just do what you did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the. I'm well versed in all elements of it. Meaning, I could kind of do graphics. I can write a song, produce a song, go play the song, book a show, <laughs> uh, do the marketing. You know, so you kind of do that. And field day, uh, the. The band, Field Day, is a very, like, we do everything. We're an independent band. We do everything in-house. In-house. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's why we move. Sometimes people, nah, I don't know about have a hard time keeping up with us, but sometimes they're a little bit tripped out at how quickly we're progressing because we do everything in-house. Like, we're really, um, I'm not, I don't think I've ever been a person that's, like, wanted permission or waited I just like focus on what I'm going to do and I just kind of lean into it and do it. 
<laughs> That's what you got to do, and, though. That's what you got to do. And gauge whether it was like, did it work? Did it suck? Did you hit it? Did you miss it? You know, that's it. Recalibrate, rinse, repeat, and go again. <laughs> but like I said earlier, we're from that generation, and we got to share that with this new generation to realize, like, you know, I tell my kids all the time, successful people, and what I mean successful is like, whatever you want to do in life that makes you feel good, accomplished, success. Okay, and finances could come with that. Whatever comes with that, just just successful people don't wait to be told what to do. Mm-mm. They just go do their thing. Like they they yep. create things. And so you know, uh, you're a perfect example of that as well, dude. And so I'm just yeah, you got me all you got me all hyped up, dude. I'm stoked on everything right now. I'm like yo, let's go. <laughs> I love the energy, bro. Well, there you go. Thanks. It's a, it's awesome to have a chat. I'm glad to catch up. Hey, everybody in podcast land, if I don't know where, well, how about this? I know for you, since you're in Southern California, yep. um, I will say uh, you should try to come to a show we're doing as a warm-up show for punk rock bowling in San Pedro at the Sardine on Wednesday, 9-22. So it's a teeny room. We're going to be doing all the hits. We're playing all the hits. We're going to do it. We're going, we're going, we're going. Wait, long. wait. So, so when, when's punk rock bowling? Punk Rock Bowling is 9.25. So okay. we are doing that, too. What day are you playing? Because um, I'm going to go to Punk Rock Bowling. What day are you going to be there? Or what day are you playing? On, on Saturday. Got so it. We're okay. Playing, playing on Saturday. But we're going to be there. Peter and I are going to be there. We have some stuff we need to do and some bands we want to see. So we're going to be there a couple days early. But we are doing a... The, uh, the, the show that we're going to do at the Sardine in San Pedro is the only Southern California show we're doing in 2021. And you can take that to the bank. Like, we ain't doing any other shows. So if you want to see the band this year... <laughs> I'm going to come see you guys. Go to San Pedro. Go to San Pedro. San no, I'm going to get up on the... St- I'm going to get up there and see with you guys freaking right. exercise with Godfather. You know what I mean? Ah! No, no. I'll be, I'll be in the back. I'll be in the back being emo, singing to myself like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes... Hey, man. So, as weird as it sounds, there are sometimes people that are crying. It's really wild it's really a wild well, it just takes them back to a point in their life yep. where you know they reflect on like yep. what their life became or a moment at that or, time you know what or, or, or they used to go see your band play with their boyfriend girlfriend homie whatever it is and that person passed away so it's like there's a whole like we we literally catapult people backwards in a time capsule it's freaking weird but there are people that are really uh they have like Whoa! It's like it it, it cut it cuts their breath away. They're like, wow, this is really a, a wild experience, and and we we are trying to celebrate that music. You know, I mean, that's what our goal is. But I see them. I see the people in the back that are trying to catch. You know, wipe away tears. It's wild. That's freaking wild. That's, you know. Yeah. Well. But, but we're on. You know, we're honored to do it. Like we play it, we do it justice. We don't phone it in, and, and we respect that. It's badass, dude. I'm stoked for you. Well, I'm going to come to that show. Anyone out there, if you're in Southern California uh, or if you want to travel, uh, San Bernardino, September 22nd. No, San Pedro. Oh, no, San yeah. Pedro. Sorry, sorry. San Pedro. Sorry. San Pedro. San Pedro. Uh, yeah, September 22nd. September 22nd. Yeah, so come on out. There you go. And dude, have, right, dude, have a rad day, bro. Thanks a lot for, for, for the interview and taking the time. I appreciate you. For sure. Don't be a stranger. I'll see you at the show. Okay, much love, bro. Stay okay. rad. Okay, peace. Bye.